hi, and a warm welcome to season three of Failing Grow. Failing Grow is now fully focused on operational excellence. We talk about everything about revenue acceleration, sales and buyer enablement, and customer experience, everything that smoothens your operation and, of course, increase your revenue and profits. We are thrilled about the engagement we have gained thanks to do, do this niche. Uh, it seems like you, our audience, simply love it. So that is great. And if you do, please remember to rate us on your podcast provider. And today we will focus on coaching excellence and how this can be implemented in your organization to reach a friction-free operational excellence. And of course, becoming really interesting in the eyes of your customers. And Failing Grow is powered by VLOXQ, your next generation CPQ tool, seamless integrated with your favorite CRM and ecosystem with me, Vilma. I'm one of the co-founders of VLOXQ. And today's guest is someone who has taught me everything there is to know about sales enablement. He's a known author to several very interesting books. So if you run, I would say anything within sales, I would definitely recommend to follow and get in contact with Corey Bray, who I have the pleasure to have as a guest in Failing Grow today. Corey Bray, I'm so happy that you're here. Welcome. Thanks, Walma. Great to be here. Wonderful. Could you please uh, yes, tell us a little bit about yourself and all the interesting companies that you're involved with? Yeah, so I'm the co-founder of a couple companies right now. One is called Closed Loop. We're a sales enablement consulting firm. We help B2B sales organizations grow. And so that's one of the things that we do. And last year, we, we realized that our most popular product was training sales managers how to become better coaches. Because a lot of pe people go to college, they get a sales job, they get promoted to management, and they've never been trained in management. And they've certainly never been trained in sales management, which is a little bit of a different flavor. So what we found was that after training these managers on how to coach, performance increased substantially, but it was hard for executives to really understand what was going on. And it was hard for managers to collaborate with each other. So we decided to create Coach CRM, a platform that helps Managers track coaching opportunities, collaborate with their peers, and provides ex executive insights into coaching activities and coaching impact. Much like a CRM does to deals, we do that for coaching. So mm, that's what I'm working on now. I've written eight books, but books are on pause right now because I'm just focused on helping managers become better coaches. Wonderful. So if you would recommend one of your books that is just a must read if you want to become a really good manager, which one would you recommend? Yeah, The Five Secrets of a Sales Coach. It's all about sales coaching. And if you've read my other books, you've seen that we often approach it from a very structured business perspective. Subheadings, bullet points, frameworks, tables. Well, that's not the case with The Five Secrets of a Sales Coach. We originally wrote it that way, but then we went back and rewrote it as a parable. So it's a fiction book that follows Arlo through his journey. He starts off as a failing sales manager, then by a chance encounter by a woman named Alex at a coffee shop, he becomes an amazing sales coach. It's a page turner, as they say. <laughs> great, great. Uh, I will definitely name that one in the post also. So everyone that doesn't listen to this, but just sees this you know, flashing by at the LinkedIn feed can get that recommendation too. Uh, thank you so much for sharing. And before we dig into the real deal today, I'm very curious about uh, when you are maybe celebrating with your team, having a really nice after work, what would you prefer to have in your glass? So my favorite after work drink, I go and get one of these almost every day, is Diet Dr. <laughs> Pepper. 
I love Diet Dr. Pepper. And <laughs> if I closed a deal that day, I also mm -hmm. buy a payday candy bar because it's payday. <laughs> Wonderful. Wonderful. Great, great. And um, another question I have is your, your most funniest, or if you would share uh, your funniest work-related fuck-up. Yeah, I'm trying to think of a good one. So one time I had a discovery call with a guy and I called him by the wrong name the entire meeting. <laughs> <laughs> and he never said anything at the, at the end of the meeting. I don't remember. He said, my name's Tom. I was calling him Bob or something like that. And <laughs> I think the reason I was is because his co-founder's name was Bob. Yeah. <laughs> And I don't, I don't know. I just, for some reason, I just, he didn't put his name on his Zoom. We we're on Zoom too. So he didn't have his <laughs> name there. He just said conference room seven or something like that. And <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. I'm not good with names. I don't understand names because names don't mean anything. I can't look at you and say, oh, well, obviously your name is Wilma. I, I, <laughs> names are tough for me. I have to really, really try. And with this guy, I didn't put in any effort. So uh, guess who didn't win that? This guy. <laughs> That is actually, I mean, it's so simple, but it's super funny. And I have, uh, I'm very happy we have just closed a really big deal uh, with a, a company that you actually might know which it is, but it's still a secret, so I can't, I can't share it, unfortunate. But uh, the guy that I've been talking to the most, he's always uh, referring to my colleague as Emil, but that is another co-founder, and this is Klaus. Uh, and this, <laughs> we have had like, I don't know, you know. 10 meetings maybe with this guy and he's so polite I really like him and I probably also listen to this but he's often calling uh, uh naming class for Emil <laughs> it's <just> wonderful <laughs> okay well, you know, great if, if that's the worst thing that people do everything is going to be okay I feel so too I feel so too but it's good like I've done it here you know you can really see what my name is all the time if you get I mean a little bit confused <laughs> yeah you've got it on both sides of your screen so we're good yeah. Oh, but that's great. Thank you so much for sharing. Now we're going to try to be a little bit more serious and dig deeper into coaching excellence. And uh, first of all, why did you choose this topic when I talked about operational excellence? And just a little bit description of what is it, coaching excellence, from your point of view. Well, the, the reason I chose the topic is because I think that coaching is the activity that's going to have the highest impact on positive improvement side of a company. There's lots of things that you can do. But if you look at coaching, our definition of coaching is that coaching takes what has already been trained and it helps you get more out of your team. So training equips them with the skills, coaching helps them apply the skills. And a lot of times folks don't get nearly as much as they can out of folks on their team. And that's, that's what we're trying to change. And it's a combination of the frequency of coaching and the quality of coaching. And those, mm -hmm. both of those things are, are, are really important to, to impact. I have so many questions, so I have to take one, one at a time. But if we, you, you talked a little bit about in the intro, uh, according to your book, of course, that many people, you know, ends up in sales and then become managers and they maybe aren't the best leaders. Uh, is, would, would you say coaching is one of the biggest parts or what would you say is? Yeah, absolutely. I think so, because if you're, if you're really good at what you do, the, the natural default is you tell other, other people to do it like you and, mm. and maybe other people can't do it like you. They might not have mm. the same skill set. Maybe they don't have the same experience. Mm. What great coaches do is they work with their team and they diagnose 
one specific challenge that's going to have a big impact and they work with them on that. And then they move to the next one and then to the next one and to the next one. If we coach somebody on one thing at a time, we can have focused energy and then hold them accountable to that one thing, make them incrementally better and then move on to the next. What a lot of folks do is they come in and they try to coach people on three, four, five things at a time. And then they're frustrated because they don't get results. Well, it just creates chaos and confusion. So the, the idea of coaching people on one thing at a time is, is critical, but the problem is you've got to figure out what that one thing is. Mm. And it, it, it's not as easy as it looks. A lot of folks, they, they'll come up with ideas like, oh, well, Corey's got to get better at handling objections. Well, why don't we figure out what the root cause of those objections are and address that? Or Corey's lazy, maybe. People aren't naturally lazy about everything. They're lazy about certain things for certain reasons. What's the root mm. cause of that? So then the manager becomes a root cause analyst to really dig deep and understand what's what's one, two, three levels beneath the thing that I'm seeing at first glance. And then that's mm. the thing that they coach. So much like in a sales process, if you don't do a great job of discovery up front, your deals are going to fall apart at the end. Same thing with coaching, really being able to do some good discovery and look at things like call recordings, the CRM, talk to the person, observe them, all of those things together, because you can't just do one of them. You can't just listen to calls and coach because that's too, that's too narrow. Maybe the root cause is a time management issue, or they're not engaged in training or something like that. So you got to coach the player, not the play. Really nice segue to the next question. Thank you for that. <laughs> but you often compare sales to some kind of athletics. Would you say that the mindset is, is the same? I mean, what you're saying now is the same thing that my show jumping coach uh, tried to taught me 15, 20 years ago that I need to focus on one thing at a time. And then he gave me three and I asked him, <laughs> okay, this seems a bit weird, <laughs> but is it really that similar sales and any, any type of athletic you would say? I think sales and athletics are very similar because in, in sports, there's a winner. Mm. There's one winner. Well, in, in sales, you're not, you're not competing against your prospects. You're competing against your competition. Mm. There's, there's one winner. They're not going to buy two solutions, maybe in rare cases, but in most cases are going to buy from one of you. And mm. in sports, you can have natural talent and just destroy the other team. So you can be Oracle or IBM and just, Say, okay, we've got the biggest brand. People trust us. They're not going to get fired if they buy from us. Boom, we win. Or you can really outwork your opponent and win as an underdog. And, mm. and if you do that, if you have good fundamental skills and you execute on those fundamental skills on a consistent basis, you can beat people who are substantially stronger than you. In this case, winning deals that your competitors um, should win, but you win because you out execute them. So yeah, I think there's... there's mm work hard, work as a team, so many different analogies of sports. I love it. Another thing I'm wondering about is, um, I mean, a typical sales team, how many hours a week would you say they actually do coaching? Not and, enough. And, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And one, how many hours should you set aside for that? Not just an, another internal meeting that is actually a coaching session. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I think one of, the, one of the problems is that you've got to, really define what isn't coaching. So pipeline review meetings are not coaching. Talking about deals is not coaching. So that's that's what a lot of things, a lot of time ends up being spent on because you've got these teams that have quotas that are on a quarterly basis and even some teams have monthly quotas. And so there's just this high pressure to what are the deals? Let's close the deals. 
Well, when you're under pressure like that, sometimes people leave their fundamentals behind and then they right. start doing things that are, that are not ideal, not natural. And then, and then coaching loses its way. We see a lot of managers, they get on calls with their team and do their team's job for them. Well, if I ran a marathon with you on my back, <laughs> you run a marathon. No, <laughs> not, not at all. And that's, that's the problem. So it's, it's, it's partially a leadership issue from the very top where you're allowing your managers, your regional vice presidents, your sales managers, your sales directors to sit on these calls with your salespeople and do their job for them. Well, if they're new, if it's a really important deal, I'm not completely against that. But in a world where you've got leaders involved in deals, are we working with the salesperson before the meeting to do really good pre-meeting prep? Are we having debrief sessions after the meeting to have really thorough debriefs, play it back, understand what we could have done differently. If we're not doing both of those, then the managers just, there's a crutch. They're not actually developing the person. And unfortunately that's what we often see as the case. So how, how do you start if you realize, um, crap, we're doing too little of this, uh, where, where do you start? Yeah. Well, I think the, the first place is to create a culture of coaching. So that's, we're going to have coaching conversations. We're going to do them at least weekly. And then adopting a framework that you're going to use to coach. And so we, we created the coach framework, C-O-A-C-H stands for challenge. So you identify the challenge, you outline the path to success. These are the two things the manager does before the meeting. Then when you have the meeting with the rep, you co-create the action plan. You touch on the consequences. If this doesn't happen or not, they don't have to be mm. dire or even negative. It's just what, what happens if this, if this doesn't come to fruition. And then the H stands for hold accountable. What specifically is the rep agreed to do to be held accountable over the course of the next several days? So that's a simple coaching framework. There's lots of coaching frameworks that are very complex. We typically see the lower adoption, which is why we, we saw an opportunity to, to build this out. So you roll out the framework and then you hold managers accountable to doing it. You're like, look, your goal is to hit this revenue number. The fastest way to get there is to get more out of your team, not to jump into every single deal and try to super close it for them. Is that uh, a fear sales leaders has, or why is that so common? Because that is, from my point of view, also the most common way of lead leadership uh, within sales. Uh, yeah, because they think they're going to get fired if they don't hit their number. And so then my question is, why did you hire someone who can't run a deal by themselves? Yeah. Yeah. Are they a salesperson or your assistant? Mm -hmm. So then what happens, yeah. here's what happens then. Then all the good people leave because good people don't like their boss doing their job for them. So all the good people leave. All the bad people, guess what they do? They stay because poor salespeople love their boss coming in and closing their deals for them and paying them commission. So then you just end up with a team full of bad salespeople. Okay, so if we talk a little about, that's obviously one of the most common wrongs people do. Uh, what are the other ones that you often see that you would well feel that if you just change it, it would have a huge impact? Yeah. The other, the other big mistake folks make is when they're coaching, they tell their team what to do. They don't ask questions and get their team to come up with the, with the action plan. So when, when we talked about the coach framework, when we're having that conversation with our team, we're asking tons of questions. We're getting them to self-realize what's going on and we're getting them to come up with a plan to address it. And we do that by asking the same types of questions that we would during discovery of a sales conversation. And then guess what happens? We get, a, we get an opportunity to model how to do great discovery with our team right there during that coaching meeting. 
And then on the hold accountable piece, we have them agree to something specific that they're going to do. Again, it's their idea. They're coming up with it. Now, if it's a dumb idea, we can edit it for them. That's fine. But mm. then they're coming up with it and we're holding them accountable to it. Mm. So we're setting clear next steps. What are the two things that salespeople need to do out of the gate in, in sales? Great discovery, set next steps. So now instead of doing their job for them, we've created an environment where one, we're helping them solve challenges that we've identified. And two, we're modeling ideal behavior when it comes to two of the most important skills that someone has in sales. Would you say, is it a lot of difference between um, new guys or girls, of course, within sales or the more experienced ones, or is it the still same coaching framework that you would apply? It's, it's still the same framework. The subject matter is different. Obviously, people newer in their career have many more challenges than people that are more experienced. People that are more experienced have bad habits that you have to avoid. And, and one of the things that we account for in the coach framework is there's three types of challenges that you run into. You run into mindset challenges, skill set challenges, and activity challenges. So early career people typically have lots of skill set challenges just because they haven't learned anything They haven't learned certain things yet, which isn't their fault. They'll get there. It's the manager's job to identify that and work with them. And then they have mindset challenges around not being sure of things because it's new. Whereas later career folks often have on average fewer skill set challenges, but they have mindset challenges around things being new or different than they're used to in the past. And being able to really understand that's critical. How important would you say that product or service knowledge compared to actually sales knowledge to know and to know how to do a really good need analysis and calculate ROI and et cetera, et cetera. If you should compare those two. Yeah, I think they're, they're both absolutely critical. And I think that you, you need to learn them in parallel with each other. So for example, sales skills, they, they boil down to being able to ask really good questions and getting a commitment from your prospects. If I had to say mm. it in one sentence, obviously there's, there's way more there. Well, yeah. if you don't have product knowledge, it's tough to know what questions to ask. Mm. And it's not just about what the product does, it's about use cases that mm. different market segments might employ. It might be looking at different personas that use the product or oversee the product for different reasons. If you understand all of those types of things, it just makes your questions better. And a lot of times salespeople can demonstrate their credibility and expertise through questions because the, the salesperson's value is in the information they receive, not the information they provide. We're not marketers. We're not keynote speakers. We do discovery. But if we ask really good questions that the prospect deems relevant to them, mm. they feel like we understand their business. We're more credible and we get better information out of them. So if you should, uh, you, you get the opportunity to get the new sales team and, uh, you will implement the perfect coaching coaching excellence schedule. Uh, how would it look like? At least one meeting a week, one scheduled coaching session per week. And it can be, look, you can have a really good coaching conversation in 15 minutes. It doesn't have mm -hmm. to be a massive time commitment. It's it, it can be part of an existing meeting where you, you block off the last 15 to 20 minutes for coaching. It can be a new meeting on the calendar. It can be something that's ad hoc where I'm walking by in the conference in the, in the office and I hear something and then we can have a quick coaching conversation. It, it should be a material part of the sales manager's job. That's, that's mm -hmm. the key, both on the preparation side, as well uh, as on the follow through and, and accountability side, because if they don't do it, it's just not going to work. And like I said earlier, the, 
the key is to understand all the data inputs from across the board. You can't just listen to a call and call that coaching because there's things in the CRM, there's things on their calendar, there's things that are just in their mind that must be well understood in order to coach the person instead of just coaching that conversation they just had. Interesting. And uh, do you have something else that you would like to add anything about coaching that you feel that this is this is important and Wilma forgets to ask about it? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So there's there's another piece, which is you've got to understand the person on your team as, as an individual from two different angles, where they're going and where they've been. So where they're going, what do they want? Do they want to be a manager? Do they want to buy a house, get married, move, start their own business? I talked to a company yesterday. I was working with their uh, their CEO and, and their leadership team. And there's one person on their team whose only goal is to retire in five years. Mm. Like, <laughs> leave him alone. Just let him do his yeah. thing. He's, he's <laughs> doing very well. Don't, mm. don't go in and try to disturb that environment. He's producing results. Let the golden goose lay the eggs. So <laughs> know, know where the person's going and tie it, to, tie it to your coaching conversation. So, for example, if you've got somebody that wants to be in management, but they're just a lone wolf and don't collaborate with anybody and mm. don't show up for team meetings. Well, there's a great coaching conversation. You can't have those types of behaviors and be a successful manager. Mm. The flip side is know where they've been. When we watch professional sports on TV, one of the things that is apparent is that the coach, let's use basketball, for example, basketball coach mm. standing on the sidelines, yelling at the players, you know, move, do this, play one, inbounds, play two, press break, whatever it is. So they're, the players have been coached like that for a long time, usually decades. So they know how to be coached. There are going to be people on your sales team that have never been coached well. So it's not just a burden on the manager around coaching them. It's also around getting people into a position so they know how to work with being coached. And that's uh, that's key. And one of the ways that you can do it is look back in their history. What have they done in their past? Did they play basketball? Were they in band? Like what did the person coaching them do and how that person react to it did they like the direct approach did they not like the direct approach so dig into their history a little bit and understand what will and won't work with that person as you coach them and then coach them towards not only the resolving the challenge that you're you've got right in front of you but also where that person wants to be in three to five years and then you're going to be much stronger what do you say about managers those who live in fear and try to run the marathon with someone else on their back uh, could they be coached to be better coaches or should you yeah you can coach managers too you can coach anybody <laughs> yeah i mean that, that manager that shows up to the meeting and does the meeting for their salesperson i mean my first question would be well what would what would need to happen in order for you to feel comfortable with them doing the job on their own and then let's just build a plan to get there mm. It's not that hard. And if it really is that hard, why did you hire that person to do the job? I agree with you. But sometimes one wonder. <laughs> and as a sales rep, how could you be more open to, to be coached? I mean, of course, you can be honest. You can talk about your past and your future, your dreams, your driving forces, I guess, etc. But what, from your point of view, what would you encourage sales rep to, to ask for or demand or wish for, for from their managers? Yeah, ask ask for coaching, and when you get coached, follow through on it. Mm. And when you when you agree to do something, do it, and it usually works. And if it doesn't work, that's fine. Do something else. Mm. It's not the end of the world. <laughs> it's not harder than that. Uh, but that's great. Okay, what kind of results would you expect if you implement uh, fifteen minutes coaching each week for I don't know 
how many weeks? Yeah, what, what we typically see is that people are just consistently getting better and mm. process drives outcome. So whatever, whatever they're doing on a day-to-day basis becomes better, stronger, faster, whatever it is that then eventually sounds like a scripture song. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so for example, if, if you've got somebody that talks a lot and doesn't ask discovery questions, well, if we get the number of questions they ask up, the quality of questions they ask up and their talk time down, that's going to lead to faster disqualifications. And it's going to lead to better understanding of what the prospect's trying to solve for, which will eventually translate into more wins. Mm. If you talk the whole time and say, do you want it? Some people will still buy from you, but it's going to be hard to consistently hit your goals doing that. Definitely. Definitely. Okay. Before we, uh, we round up, is there something you would like to add uh, besides everything else? Very good stuff you already said. Yeah. I mean, coaching only works if you do it. That's the most technical and advanced advice I can give. (laughs) Well, I love it. I love it that it's, uh, it seems so simple, but I would say it is, you just have to do it on a more or less daily basis. I used to work as a personal trainer and it's, uh, it's so many things that are similar. You just have to have the discipline and motivation and maybe let down your guard and do it every day. Even the rainy ones. Even the rainy ones. Wonderful. Okay, great. Well, thank you so much for this, Corey. I will ask you very soon about who you will like to listen to yourself in Failing Grow. But before that, of course, I have to thank our sponsors, Yada Yada, that edits every episode of this, and also Story of You, that have come up with this podcast concept and continuously develop it for us. So we are very grateful for that. So, Corey, who would you like to listen to in this podcast show? Oh, well, I one of my favorite entrepreneurs is Ryan Reiser. You should talk mm-hmm. to him. He's great. Wonderful. He's great. Something in particular you want me to have a subject about with him or he's just an awesome person? He started several businesses and he has lots of really good stories around the, the ups and downs of entrepreneurship. He's, he's been an entrepreneur for, I don't know, 12 years or so since I've known oh. him. And, and he's got a lot of really good insights and stories. And he has survived. That's he is. Yeah, he's <laughs> still, still here. Yeah, wonderful. Great. Uh, I would be very, very grateful if you connected me to him and he's so welcome to, uh, to guest Failinger, of course. And if one would like to come in contact with you, is it LinkedIn or somewhere else that you should reach out? LinkedIn's easiest. LinkedIn is easiest. Great. And to wrap it all up, during that after work, the songs come on and you feel like Wow, this was a really good week. Uh, which song are we listening to? Maybe also get a few dance step or I don't know. You're just super happy. My, my favorite song is Battery by Metallica. <laughs> Wonderful. I love it. Great. If you've not heard Battery, it starts off very, it's like, dun, dun, dun. and then eventually for the first minute, it's just kind of a calm symphony. And then it's the heaviest of the heavy metal for a minute. And then it just goes back and forth between symphony and heavy metal. And it's just wonderful. Wow. Sounds crazy. I love it. Uh, And it was a true pleasure recording with you. Thank you so much for sharing your expertise. And I wish you the best of weekends. Thank you so much.